0: Welcome to Fertility Fridays. I'm your host, Leah Vaughn. Join me for today's episode as we explore all things on the road to becoming mama. Hello. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Fertility Fridays on the Unspoken Cycle podcast. I am your host, Leah Vaughn, and welcome to my beautiful mamas, soon to be mamas, future mamas, aspiring mamas, and all mamas in between. How are y'all doing today? Well, I hope. And again, thank you for joining me on today's episode. I'm excited for today's episode. It's not as heavy as last week's Fertility Fridays segment. Today, I want to talk to you about the IUI process. It is a fertility treatment that many women choose to uh, explore before they jump into IVF um, for a lot of different reasons, and myself included. I had four, a total of four IUI treatments. And I found the process to be much less intimidating than the option of IVF, especially at my age. And I'll explain that um, a little later in the episode. But I thought, what a great time to go ahead and talk about um, something that I can relate to as far as fertility treatment options and just provide you with as much information as I can. I know that when I decided that I wanted to move forward with IUI, I was Googling and YouTubing and Facebook grouping everything I possibly could to find out as much information as possible um, so I can have the best idea of what I would really be experiencing. Let's get started. The scope of it is that you'll be under the care of a fertility treatment specialist, I was lucky to be in the care of two. I worked with Dr. Amy. You may know her as the egg whisperer. She provided a consultation and a lot of guidance um, from afar because she is located in California. I was in New York City at the time that I was going through my IUI treatments. But I was uh, directly under the care of Dr. Lucky Seacon with RMA of New York. Dr. Lucky is amazing. If you're on Instagram, definitely follow her. I will give you both doctors information, website, uh, social media handles at the end of the episode. So stay tuned if you'd like to know more information about that, but they were the doctors who were treating and guiding me through my IUI fertility treatment process. And let me just tell you being in the care of the right physician or physician team while you're going through fertility treatments makes all the difference. I read so many horror stories about women who were treated by physicians that they didn't like, or they didn't agree, or they were second guessing the physician's decisions. Fertility treatments are already stressful enough by themselves. We don't need to feel uncomfortable or insecure in the hands of our treatment team. Right, So it's really important to do your research no matter where you're located, whether you're in the United States or Canada or overseas abroad. Definitely do your research. Find the best physician team that you possibly can. I know it does make a difference as far as insurance and insurance benefit and who's covered under your plan please just make sure that the that the individual that you choose to care for you through this process is 100% aligned with your patient need and is willing to listen to you, guide you, and comfort you along the way. Um, that is so important for us to receive that level of care from start to finish. IUI is intrauterine insemination. Basically, your monthly cycle is monitored. Um, you will go into the doctor's office several times throughout the beginning of the cycle. They will monitor the follicles, which are the cocoons, as I like to call them, uh, that house your eggs. Once your eggs are ripe, you'll go into the office. They will take a very long syringe with the sperm, uh, with the sperm sample of your choosing whether it's a donor from a donor bank or a known donor who has had their sperm quarantined or your partner whoever it is whoever sperm it is it's going to be in this really really long syringe i like really skinny syringe looking thing i don't really know the the right terminology for the equipment that they use but that's what it looks like it looks like it's about a foot long Don't be intimidated. And it's really long and teeny tiny skinny. They take the syringe, they insert it through the tip of your cervix, through the opening of your cervix directly into your uterine cavity. And then they expel the sperm directly into your uterus. So the sperm that goes into your uterus is already, it is concentrated down to just a little spermies Um, And it's inserted far enough up so they can get where they need to go quickly as far as your fallopian tubes and meet that egg that is freshly ripe and ovulated. IUI is different from IVF in that they're not retrieving your eggs, they're not genetically testing them, and they are not mating them with any sperm to create an embryo. So the IUI process is literally taking the sperm That's waiting for you at the clinic and inserting it into your uterus where it needs to go. They're helping it get into your body in the most effective, efficient way possible to meet that egg. So you're giving the best natural chances um, for your body to conceive. Of course, science and biology have to take place. Your body has to do all the right things and all the right times and all the right ways for that sperm to meet the egg and fertilize it and then grow it into a viable embryo, you know, that implants into your uterus and results in pregnancy. But the IUI process gets the first half of that started. And I actually was really interested in IUI because my wife and I had been trying at home with a private donor. We were doing at-home insemination, uh, which is a podcast topic for another day. That's a whole other set of interesting information (laughs) that I will share eventually. But we were doing it at home um, with a private donor and we were taking the specimen and we were doing our own Insemination, which is actually quite common, especially in the LGBT community amongst lesbians. You know, we can't just lay down and have sex with each other during our fertile period of the month. So we have to explore all of the different options that are available to us. And starting at home was the most comfortable option for us. Unfortunately, we tried a couple of times and it didn't work. We weren't successful. We went ahead and decided to. Explore clinical care, and that's how we met Dr. Lucky Seacon. She was in network with my insurance and had rave reviews. I had a consultation with her and was just smitten from day one. She's awesome, she's extremely able to relate to her patients, and she spoke to us in a way that was comforting yet realistic. And we just felt like we were definitely embarking on the best journey to success that we possibly could in her care. Because of my age, at the time I was 40 years old, I wanted to make sure that I was doing what was most effective for my body and my reproductive system because of my age, I had a very low uh, egg reserve, very low level of AMH, which even Dr. Seacon will tell you is just a number. But the reality is age was certainly a factor. And so we knew that trying at home was probably going to be a really long uh, emotionally draining process. I mean, as if, you know fertility treatments and and dealing with, all sorts of fertility issues and infertility isn't, you know, uh, an emotional process um, anyway, but we just wanted to do what we could to make it the most streamlined process for success. Once we talked to Dr. Lucky about IUI, we knew that that's the route we wanted to go. She explained in detail IUI versus IVF. Unfortunately with IVF, a lot of the time, the first thing people think of when it comes to IVF is the cost. It is very expensive. And we did have insurance coverage for some portions of the IVF process, but not enough to cover the majority of the cost. And for us, you know, we weren't in a position to refinance our house or cash out on our retirement or anything like that. And, you know, we just wanted to make the best decision possible. So IVF was automatically off the table for us. Also, because of my age, I honestly didn't feel comfortable going into IVF unsure of the quality of eggs that were going to be retrieved, how many I would even produce that would be healthy or viable and create healthy embryos. IVF is not a guarantee of pregnancy. If you have been in the fertility treatment world for any amount of time, you've probably done your own research and maybe followed some accounts on social media or you know, YouTube, and you'll hear often that many women go through several embryo transfers before they're successful, or have to go through several egg retrievals before they have a sufficient amount of eggs, you know, that are healthy. And That to me was just really intimidating. It sounded very costly. It sounded very hard on my body. I had previously had thyroid cancer and had surgery to have my thyroid removed. And it was a year of just up and down of the hormones in my body and being so ill and feeling so sick. And, you know, I just didn't want to do that again. That was not something that was an option for me physically so IUI was definitely the way that we wanted to go and because we are a same-sex couple we had a little bit more flexibility and Dr Ccon was willing to you know give us several tries if it wasn't successful um of course my wife and I had to talk about our cap on that how many times did we want to um, go through the iUI process and if it was unsuccessful each time at what point did we, want to stop and and explore other options. So that was a personal decision we had to make. But we knew that the IUI treatment was going to be uh, the best for us in our specific situation and for me with my fertility at that time. Let me go ahead and give you a quick rundown of what the IUI process looked like for me. And mind you, there are two different kinds of IUI. Essentially, the process overall is the same, but you can do medicated IUI or unmedicated IUI. I specifically did medicated IUI cycles, but I will explain the unmedicated IUI cycle after this. So on the first day of my period, I I called my clinic and they instructed me to come in and get some blood tests run on day three of my period. I would go first thing in the morning, they would run some blood tests. So they would test my LH, my estriodol, my progesterone, and possibly one other. I can't remember 100% right now because it was a few years ago. But anyways, they tested several levels of my hormone just to make sure that at that point in my cycle, everything looked good and was healthy and that nothing was kind of out of range or abnormal, um, which would you know, impact my cycle. And based on my results, uh, as long as everything looked good, they would then prescribe me letrozole, which was the medication portion of my cycle. I took letrozole for five days, starting on day three. The purpose of letrozole was to promote healthy growth for my my follicles. So it wanted to promote maturity Um, to the best ability possible in my body for my egg follicles. And then I would, uh, so I took my medication for five days. And then around day 11, I went back to the office and they would do a sonogram to take a look at my um, ovaries and look at the follicles that have developed and to see kind of where they were at. They would measure them And as long as they were measuring at a healthy size, then they would go ahead and instruct me to come back a day or two later. And I did. I would go back a day or two later, do another sonogram. And usually at that point, my eggs were ready to burst. They were ready to ovulate and break free of those follicles. So what would happen is that evening, I would take a trigger shot which is Ovidrel. That's the particular medication that I used or that I took. The trigger shot stimulates ovulation. So it essentially does exactly what the name is. It triggers it. So I would give myself an injection at home, which is not something everybody loves to do. So if you do have a supportive partner, I highly encourage you to invite them into the process with you. My wife did the trigger shot for me, and I would take a little piece of my belly fat. She would go ahead and inject the medication, and within 24 to 36 hours, I was ovulating. And that's when they scheduled the IUI process for me, or the actual procedure. Within this amount of time, we did choose a cryobank that we worked with. Uh, We started with CryoBio, which was a cryobank in Ohio. And before we could even begin the IUI process, we had to do genetic, I had to do genetic testing. So so I did the SEMA4 genetic test. And I had to make sure that I matched with a donor, a sperm donor at the cryobank that did not have any of the same genetic mutations that I did. Thankfully, that wasn't a problem. And we were able to choose someone that we felt was the right donor for us. Usually when I ordered my trigger shot, when I knew I was getting ready to trigger within a few days, I would order my trigger shot and my sperm vial at the same time. And the sperm bank would overnight ship my uh cryotank with my sperm with my baby in it and they would send it to the clinic, and the clinic would have it ready for me by the time I came in for the procedure. And on, day of, on the day of my IUI, I would show up in the morning, go in just like any normal doctor's appointment or gynecological appointment. I would lay on a bed as if I was getting ready to have a pap smear. They would come in, They would show me the really long syringe filled with my spermies and confirm all of the information to make sure it was the right donor. And they even would tell me how many millions of sperm were in there and what the quality was and the mobility was of the sperm. Thankfully, because we were using a cryobank, the sperm was always really healthy. They do a lot of their own washing and testing themselves. So we knew we had healthy, uh, healthy, viable sperm And I would lay back, they would go ahead and insert the sperm. I would relax for about 10 minutes or so with my hips slightly elevated and my feet up in the room after the procedure was done. And then I was free to go. And I was free to carry on about my day. I didn't have to go home and rest. There was no bed rest involved. And I really just didn't have any limitations that were imposed on me, which was a great thing. So The overall process was not invasive as far as interrupting my daily, you know, routine. Thankfully, I had a flexible employer and was able to, well, most of the time I was able to schedule my blood tests and things like that, sonograms and scans early in the morning. Uh, Most fertility clinics are open really early. Well, the ones that we've worked with have been. So I was able to take care of those things before I even had to be at work. So it wasn't a conflict of interest as far as my work schedule went. And then, yeah, my wife and I made it a habit of on IUI day, just relaxing. We didn't make a lot of plans. We would go right home after work and relax and eat a good meal and just take it easy. So that is... Uh, the gist of what my IUI experience looked like. To be quite honest, I did not have a successful IUI with any of my IUI treatments, uh, which is common, again, with someone at my age. It's not really a matter of whether or not I can get pregnant. It's a matter of the egg quality in the reserve that I have left. It's like hit and miss. You know, you really don't have an idea of the quality of eggs in the eggs that you have left. I have a low reserve and all I can do is try to be healthy and promote the best egg quality possible. There is no way to reverse poor egg quality and there is no way for any fertility specialist to test specifically for the egg quality that you have. All they can do is estimate what your reserve may look like. But regardless of what you may or may not have heard, there is no way to test for your egg quality. So you don't know if the egg that you're ovulating is or isn't going to be a healthy, viable egg that month. Uh, Statistics show that the lower reserve you have, the less likely it is you will ovulate a healthy egg. And that's what I was facing. On the third try of IUI treatments, unfortunately, when I went in for my day three labs on day three of my period, my estriadol had already spiked, which meant that I was going to ovulate early, which meant that it was going to be a premature ovulation, and that would certainly not be viable egg for me. So they actually canceled my cycle that month, and then I was able to restart again the next month. Also, I only did two medicated cycles with letrozole on my third medicated cycle, which was actually on the fourth month, because remember the third month, they uh, canceled my cycle for me or canceled my treatment. On the third IUI, I did Clomid, which was a little bit of a different kind of more heavy Um, fertility medication. And so Clomid is known for creating more than one egg follicle or for stimulating more than one egg follicle to mature. And sure enough, on my cycle with Clomid, I had two nice big ripe follicles. Unfortunately, I wasn't successful in getting pregnant that month either. But It was kind of exciting to know that I had double the chance. So for me, it was definitely a process that I don't regret. I don't feel like it was a waste of my time. I do feel like it was a beneficial treatment to go through versus continuing to go through the treatment at home. And it also allowed me to really learn the specifics of what my body's hormones looked like and you know, kind of how my body was functioning as far as my monthly cycles. There's only so much that you can monitor on your own at home. And it did feel like we boosted my chance the best way possible by doing those IUI treatments. Even though we weren't successful, I don't regret it at all. I'm glad that I went through that process. And you know, timing is everything. And those just were months when the timing wasn't right for my body. And I've you know become okay with that now. I won't say that the disappointment was wasn't hard. It was extremely hard. But you know, you just keep pushing forward. If you listen to my last, uh, if you listen to last week's Fertility Fridays episode, I talked about grief, and I certainly embraced the process of grief, um, with each failed cycle. But here I am now, um, still on my fertility journey, still trying to conceive. And, um, yeah, I won't get into how and what and why, but I will just let you know that I have not yet given up. I am now going to be 43 years old in a couple of weeks. And I still firmly believe that there's a chance let's talk about medicated versus unmedicated IUI. Um, I mentioned to you what medicated cycles looked like for me. Again, on day three, you begin to take the medication for a few days, then you're monitored closely by your uh, physician team to make sure that your follicles are developing and becoming nice, big, ripe, healthy follicles. Once you are almost ready to burst and ovulate. You take that trigger shot, which stimulates the ovulation, and then you go in for your IUI. Now, an unmedicated cycle is exactly that. It's unmedicated. There's no letrozole, no Clomid, and no trigger shot. My wife actually did a couple of unmedicated cycles with a fertility clinic here in Florida, Uh, The most I will say is that it was here in, we are in Jacksonville, Florida. Unfortunately, we were not pleased with the unmedicated cycle process at this particular clinic who is affiliated with a major healthcare system and hospital system out here. This doctor was not very diligent in listening to my wife and I, Uh, we had already been tracking her cycles. For a very long time, we knew on average what day she ovulated, which is a little bit earlier. Usually, you ovulate around day 14 on average. However, my wife is a day 11, 12 ovulator, which is still healthy. It doesn't mean the egg is not ripe or that she's ovulating prematurely. It, it just means she ovulates a little earlier than average. So, we went through this three different times with this doctor. The first month was successful. However, the doctor was not in the office that we originally had consulted with. So there was another physician filling in. That physician called my wife in on day 10 of her cycle. She was just about ready to ovulate. So we went ahead and came in the very next day and she was good to go we did the IUI process. We had already had our sperm transferred there. So everything like on that end was ready to go. And we completed the IUI treatment. The second cycle with this doctor, she was back in town. Uh, My wife reported her period on day one of her period. Again, no medication, no anything else additionally added to her treatment plan. She calls my wife in on day 11. My wife goes in, follicle is really healthy, very ripe, ready to burst. The doctor says, come in tomorrow afternoon, we'll get you going. We were concerned because that would have meant day 12 and she typically ovulates around day 11. So our concern was, "Mm, that feels like it's a little bit too late. What if we miss, you know, what if I ovulate by then? And she says, oh, don't worry about it. You know, you're not going to, you know, whatever. She says, I'm not concerned. So we go in the next day, and sure enough, she says, Oh, okay. Well, it looks like you ovulated. So I'm going to have to cancel this, uh, cancel today's treatment, and you can come back next month. And we looked at each other and we're like, Really? We told you that this was going to happen and this was our concern, and you assured us not to worry. And then sure enough, here we are. And she clearly had ovulated within the last 12 to 24 hours. And now you're canceling this treatment. When you are a woman who so desperately wants to have to get pregnant successfully, every month counts, right? Every egg counts. You, we couldn't help but think, what if this was the golden egg and you just missed it because you miscalculated? You know, it was a really frustrating, upsetting experience. And ladies, she didn't even offer an apology. She literally said, okay, well, I'll see you next month. Call me on day one of your period and walked out of the room. It was like she wasn't even phased. It was horrific. We ended up doing one more cycle of treatment because we had an extra vial already stored at the facility. That was unfortunately not successful. She did this time. She did catch the ovulation in an appropriate time frame, but we just weren't overall impressed with the unmedicated process. It was a lot of just waiting for our body to do what it needed to do. And although that's the perfectly natural way of doing it, when I was going through the medicated process, everything was very structured and timed and expected. So we've we trusted the process so much more. So that is the difference between medicated versus unmedicated. Medicated is introducing the medication to promote healthy follicle maturity of your follicles, and then the trigger shot, which triggers your ovulation at a specific time so they can schedule the treatment accordingly. Unmedicated is just going with the flow of your natural cycle and monitoring you and then doing the treatment when they determine your body is getting ready to ovulate. One more piece of the medication component is that I discovered that I am, I have a luteal phase defect, meaning my progesterone doesn't rise to a high enough level to sustain an early pregnancy if I were to conceive. So Dr. Amy, who was an angel, prescribed Prometrium for me while I was undergoing my IUI treatments. And on day three after ovulation, I would take a... Uh, one dose of my progesterone, so one little pill. I did take it vaginally. You can take Prometrium orally, but the side effects are horrendous. And I was too scared to even try it. So I did take it vaginally, which is a little messy, but you know what? I'd rather that than not be able to sustain a pregnancy if I was successful, if the IUI treatment was successful. So that is something that is a potential Um, option for those of you who may not produce enough progesterone in your luteal phase after ovulation. Something else I do want to talk about is IUI for the LGBT community. Obviously, my wife and I are a same-sex couple. IUI is something that is a huge benefit for same-sex couples for women. We were actually able to bypass the process of going to our gynecologist first to determine if you know we were healthy or not because we couldn't have sex for a certain amount of months or time to determine our fertility and and what it looked like. So because we were a same sex couple, we, we were actually able to get ahead in the process a little bit faster, which was definitely beneficial for us. And you know, we found that everywhere we went we were welcome with open arms there was a plethora of information given to us and we had just a pleasant experience working with both dr amy and dr secon they treated us as part of the family and we knew we were in amazing care as lesbians that's so important i know that It's hard sometimes to find quality care everywhere you live. And of course, you know, we lived in a major metropolitan area and there was a lot of great resources there. And we just felt really lucky that we were able to find comfort and solace in the clinical team that we had in place who was very much supportive of the LGBT community, in addition to understanding the challenges that we face when it comes to trying to conceive? There was a ton of options given to us. Lesbian women have so many different options in the ways that they are able to get pregnant as a couple. You know, there's reciprocal IVF and donor eggs and all sorts of other things that our options. But for us, of course, the IUI was was what we chose. But just knowing that we, no matter what, we're going to find comfort in the care we were receiving as a lesbian couple was so important. So for those of you listening who are in a same-sex relationship as a woman, I highly encourage you to explore the IUI process talk to your doctor, research fertility endocrinologists in your area, and really just ask whatever questions you can. That is going to be something that's very beneficial for you, and I 100% encourage it. Now, let's talk about cost and insurance. Insurance nowadays is kind of hit or miss when it comes to fertility treatment. We Moved from New York City to Jacksonville, Florida. We had great fertility coverage in New York City and have no fertility coverage in Jacksonville, Florida. So it does depend on where you live. Our coverage, however, when we lived in New York City, covered my medication. It also covered my doctor's visit. It covered the sonograms and the blood tests. It did not cover the IUI itself, like the IUI treatment itself because and here's the loophole that can be really frustrating with insurance. They did not cover IUI treatment for me because oh I was in the 40 and over age bracket. So because I was over 40 years old, well I was 40, but because I was over that age, they expected me to go straight to IVF treatment. So IUI on my insurance plan was only covered up to age 39. Can you believe that? and i'm thinking why do i why do i have to be pushed into ivf and not only why do i have to be pushed into ivf but how ironic that the plan who's telling me i'm no longer covered for iui because i was over you know 40 and over the coverage that you offer me for ivf is like half ass so you're determining what I'm supposed to do with my treatment options according to my age. And then the treatment option available for me is something you're not even going to help me cover the most costly parts of anyway. So I was really frustrated with it. I mean, I was definitely blessed that my medications were covered and the scans were covered and the blood tests were covered. That was tremendously helpful. It It was still really frustrating to have to pay out of pocket. Thankfully, You know, we were able to make those arrangements and financially we could do it. That can be a problem for a lot of couples. Um, Fertility treatments are expensive. They're not cheap. And if you don't have an insurance plan that covers that, that, that can be really hard to determine how you want to move forward with your treatment. And for some, it can be a deal breaker, which sucks because building a family should never be a deal breaker. There should never be anything. You know, we're already having to deal with fertility issues, let alone the cost of it, I definitely feel like our healthcare system does a great disservice to those of us who have to explore these options. So that's my opinion. Um, however, I will say that the when it came to the IUI process out here, even out of pocket, it was affordable. And we were able to work with uh, a clinic who offered payment plans and financing in-house Um, and all sorts of other options that made it doable for us. So, you know, if you don't have an insurance plan that covers fertility, I highly recommend that you do your research. Find a clinic in your area, if you can, who will help you out financially or provide you with payment options if you need that kind of support. There are also grants that you can apply for. um, Sometimes when you do IUI and IVF treatment, You can find manufacturer uh, discounts under the medication manufacturer. You know, there's a lot of different options that are out there for us. So just because we don't have insurance coverage doesn't have to be the end all of our treatment options. Again, I mentioned that I was blessed to be under the care and guidance of Dr. Amy, the egg whisperer and Dr. Lucky Seacon of RMA of New York. I want to provide their website information and their social media handles. Certainly if you are in the New York city area, seek out Dr. C Khan, Dr. Lucky. She is an amazing doctor. You will be in great care in her hands. She's funny. I love her Instagram. I follow her. She provides so much valuable insight, um, for anybody who needs it, not just for her patients And, you know, she talks about a lot of things, too, as far as things we read and hear in mainstream media about fertility and fertility treatments and all sorts of things. And she just keeps it real. I love her to death. Hey, Dr. Lucky, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for everything you did for me. I miss you, girl. I wish you were here to treat me out here in Florida, but I definitely um, found value in all of the care that you gave. So you can find Dr. Lucky on Instagram at Lucky, L-U-C-K-Y dot s e k h o n. She's on YouTube at Dr. Lucky con. She also has her own website, theluckyegg.com, where she provides an immense amount of information that's really helpful for anyone who's enduring this process and also has a blog amongst other things that you can find for tools and resources on her website. Certainly check it out. And then I also mentioned Dr. Amy, the egg whisperer. If you have not heard of her, she literally is an egg whisperer. I have a very close friend who I love to death that I went to school with, who is good friends with and was seeking care Um, with Dr. Amy going through IVF treatments. And so she referred me to Dr. Amy. Dr. Amy is a gem. She takes such good care of her patients. She's so knowledgeable and thorough. She has her own podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts. um, And I'm sure any podcast platform, it is called The Egg Whisperer Show. She has uh, eggwhisperer.com and dramy.org. Please check out her both of her websites. You can find her on IG at eggwhisperer and her YouTube YouTube page, Egg Whisperer Show and Dr. Amy. If you are listening, thank you so much for the guidance you provided. I hope to meet you in person one day and give you a huge hug. You were just so kind and gentle and compassionate, and you reassured me of so many things that I was concerned and worried about. I just appreciate you taking the time to listen and care for me from afar. It meant everything. And having your valuable insight in uh, hand-in-hand with Dr. Lucky, I just feel like um, such a lucky patient to be in both of y'all's care. So thank you so much. Ladies, for those of you listening today, I know that it can be really hard to make decisions when it comes to fertility treatments and the road that we'd like to explore. I definitely encourage you to do a ton of research take the information I'm providing you today, get on Google, go on YouTube, get on Instagram, read some articles, find a book. There's so many things that you can do to educate yourself so that you know 100% hands down you're making the best decision for your journey and your treatment as you possibly can. Please ah. please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. My email is the I am here for you in any way I can possibly be. I am an open book and would love to share as much information as you would like to hear. Ladies, if you have not yet, please like and subscribe. And don't forget to visit UnspokenCycle.com and join the free private community just for women where we are waiting for you with open arms, mama. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Fertility Fridays on the Unspoken Cycle podcast. Until next week, take care. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Fertility Fridays. Please like and subscribe. And don't forget to join the private community just for women at theunspokencycle.com. Until next week, stay strong.